So welcome to the Film Ireland podcast. I'm Gemma Cray and I'm chatting with documentary filmmaker Anna Rogers. So Anna has a few works in the mix at the moment and we're mostly going to be talking about her fantastic documentary piece When Women Won and it was about the repeal of the eighth movement and that very interesting uh, referendum but we've a few other works that we're gonna we're gonna touch on as well so thank you so much for chatting with us no problem thank you for having me so before we get into your um lovely documentary which I had a good cry over the two nights ago very emotional yeah <laughs> yeah it is I just wanted to uh just get a little bit of background about yourself where did you learn your documentary skills and how did you get into the industry well I went to DIT Angel Street and I studied communications there and when I think back about it like I had a lot of fun and the academic side was very very strong but the skills I learned there technically and you know in terms of storytelling weren't weren't great let me say Uh, I'm so glad that we didn't have YouTube then and that our films from that time are not online (laughs) Um, yeah but yeah, I suppose it was it, it was a good grounding in a way and I made great friends and it cemented my uh, love of cinema and I made a documentary when I was in third year in college and myself and the producer who was one of the lecturers in the college, David Rain, kind of told a little white lie to RTE and, and told them I was a graduate but I was actually still in college and I went off to America with a camera to make a kind of a video journal of the J1 experience and it ended up being broadcast on RTE as a two-part series when we got home we edited it and made a little series and um, wow which you know is probably completely mortifying to watch back now because I'm in it as well which I would never do again um, but it's a it's a record of a time in my life and I, I often think that about documentaries that they do capture I suppose a lot of memories for me because you end up spending uh, you know probably close to a year of your life working on the project and and after that when I graduated I was really really fortunate to meet some people who who were kind of key people in my early career I worked with Dervla Walsh who um, is an extraordinary director um, oh, who's yeah. now gone gone on to do Handmaid's Tale and and Fargo and Dervla introduced me to Alan Gilson and and Alan probably was the biggest influence on my my career. I learned so much from him and I worked with him for six or seven years. We made a lot of documentaries together and, you know, in terms of like learning how to interview people, really does he's been the, the biggest influence on me, you know, in, in terms of bringing people yeah. back and you know, getting them to really tell you the story and go back emotionally into um, that time and recapture it. So I think on When Women Won, I very much was channeling Alan's advice, you know. Um, So even now, even though it's, God, 20 years ago, whatever, I do still, you know, listen to those things uh, that I learned from him, for sure. It's nice to have just like a little bit of of mentorship and and guidance along the way. It's so important. It's so important. And I think that, you know, sometimes there are opportunities for people to shadow directors. And, you know, I think if somebody is starting out that they should grab those opportunities because you really do learn a lot from that. And it doesn't happen often enough, really, you know, so I think it's it's a great thing when you get to do it. It's well worth the time. And I know sometimes they're unpaid and you've got to take a bit of a break out of work to do it. But it's it's well worth doing for sure. But, you know, the things you learn from watching somebody who's been doing it for such a long time, 
you can't learn that in, in on a course, you can't learn it in college, you know. Yeah, definitely. So to come back then to when women uh, won, what did this start life as? Was this something that you were passionate about? Were you brought on board by one of the organisations? Did you pitch it to RTE? How did it take shape initially? In uh, 2016, we had made a documentary, myself and um, Hugh Rogers and Zlata Filipovich, the same trio that made When Women Won. We had made a documentary called The Story of Yes about the marriage equality referendum. And Alva Smith, who was part of Together for Yes, one of the co-directors from Together for Yes, would have known me um, from various things that we would have been involved in over the years. I was on the board of Gay's Film Festival. Um, I would have interviewed Alva at different times. So uh, she approached me initially and we came in to meet together um, myself, Alva, Gronya Griffin, Orla O'Connor, and to talk about how we might make a documentary about what happened during the repeal the eighth referendum. But this was after the fact, obviously, it, you know, um, it had c- come and, and gone and we hadn't filmed anything. So we didn't have any archive or anything to um, tell the story with. And they wanted to make a kind of 15 to 20 minute piece to capture the campaign, yep. to tell the story of how they did it. Uh, why they did it and um, I suppose why why it was important and it was really to be a kind of a learning tool to you know show different groups around the world who maybe were looking at Ireland and what had happened here and trying to learn from the campaign but of course you know it's such a huge story and such a good story such a brilliant story and they are all such great interviewees it kind of grew from that so it was very difficult to tell such a complex uh, story over 35 that spanned over 35 years in 20 minutes so it really evolved and um you know because the interviews were so strong um, and and they all felt so passionately about what had happened you know I started to see this as being a longer film and we kind of went from there but it was commissioned by Together for Yes so that's kind of unusual in a way it wasn't commissioned by a broadcaster or it didn't have any funding from Screen Ireland or anything like that. So it was made on quite a low budget uh, in that sense. And it was very collaborative. You know, the Together for Yes team, the co-directors would have worked with me on it throughout. And so in that sense, you know, it was very collaborative. And, you know, the footage all came from so many different sources. So it, it, it really was... Um, you know, a very different experience to other documentaries we would have made before. And very much so in line with the Together for Yes grassroots campaign itself as well, which, you know, wasn't necessarily this big, huge, well-funded initially from the get-go thing, which is, is something that is in there in documentary. Yeah, I suppose it's funny, yeah, because the spirit of it, you know, because people cared about the topic and because of that grassroots piece and and the fact that people were very passionate about the topic, we got a lot of goodwill in terms of people being willing to share footage, you know, and that community aspect, you know, of reaching out to all the Together VS groups around the country looking for photographs. Did anybody film anything? And does anybody have any, uh, you know, local filmmaker, you know, did they document what happened? So there was months and months of trying to track down footage around the country and in the end footage came from all sorts of different places 
places, you know, because people had moved on and one person sent footage from Iraq, even, you know, because they were working over there. Uh, lots of footage came from um, the ARC group in London. And then there were filmmakers like Paula Garrity, who, you know, is amazing and is always out there with her camera filming protests and events and has an incredible archive of footage um, who we would have worked together with. And um, so it, it really brought together a lot of those filmmakers pieces that were maybe sitting in, on a hard drive in a drawer uh, and just brought them together into this this narrative you know and it is such a nice narrative because it has a real reverse swing so the the, the story of yes and it's funny the way it's structured it's almost like a will they won't they until it happens even though we all know but it really works I know and that's a <laughs> yeah yeah it's a funny thing when you're you're making a film where we all know the outcome and lots of documentaries are like that, I suppose, like, you know, any documentary that's about a sporting event, for example, you know, you know what the outcome is. And so trying to build tension and trying to capture the emotion of yeah. that is quite a skill. And Emer O'Cleary edited the documentary with Hugh Rogers as well, who who produced it with Slata. Hugh would have done a lot of editing too. And he had directed the story of yes with us so he knew it's the same kind of structure you really have to you know suspend that feeling of um of joy throughout and we would have done that in the interviews too so everyone wanted to kind of talk in in terms of the knowledge that we have now that the outcome was a positive and we had to try and just rein that in and bring people back and get them to I suppose experience those emotions again and to remember what it was like when they didn't know whether or not they were going to to get the yes vote you know and um and to go back into the past too and, and talk about when did they first become aware of um abortion rights you know was it in school was it in college what their own kind of origins were what drove them what motivated them to become involved because lots of us would have known about this topic yeah. Um, but maybe wouldn't have got, you know, physically involved in the campaign. Some some of us might have gone out for a protest here and there. But these women all came together from different groups and they would have got so passionately involved and been campaigning for years in some cases. So just trying to find out about them, you know, why did they do that um, and, and get them to tell their own stories too. And in the end, like with interviews like that, you, you interview someone for maybe two hours. You only end up using a few lines here and there. Yeah. Um, but in order to get those lines, you really have to go on a journey with them and you have to talk about the things that would have inspired them, try to get them to tell us, you know, which case was it that motivated them. In some cases, it might have been going back as early as Anne Lovett. For a lot of people, it was what happened to Savita. Yeah, that, would, that definitely was my trigger. Up to that point, it was quite complacent. But I think that was just... It was a turning point. Yeah, it, was, it galvanized a lot of people. And for the younger generation, it really motivated them. So I think, you know, that in the film, we did represent that. Sarah Monaghan says, like, you could kind of chart the whole history of the abortion rights campaign in Ireland as pre and post Savita. Yeah. And, and in the film, I suppose we took that as kind of a turning point and the campaign really started from there. But of course, it's very important to say, like, Together for Yes, we're only in existence for a matter of months, but there were numerous groups that worked on this for many, many years. And this documentary is about Together for Yes, the campaign. So it doesn't tell the story of every group that did hugely significant work on the topic. There are many groups that are not represented in the documentary or who are only briefly represented in there. 
And that's complicated, you know, when you're trying to make a film about one group. Um, but knowing, you know, politically and diplomatically that there's so many other people that are involved in the story and trying to weave your way through that. We would have had that same complexity when we did the story of Yes. It was simpler in that one because what we did was we went for the personal stories and that allowed us that freedom to, you know, really look at it from the personal point of view and then groups such as belong to or marriage equality you know popped in and out maybe in archive footage but with the together for yes film it was very much a campaign film so the people who are telling the story are from largely from hq in dublin and of course you know it was a huge grassroots movement that had groups all over the country and there's no footage of that and, and really, like when you're looking at kind of history and the telling of a story, you know, in a film, it largely becomes about those where there's footage of them. And um, we did really try to make an effort to, um, to include as many people as we could. And, you know, so you'll see little bits of footage of, of groups here and there. But ultimately, you know, it's quite complicated trying to represent groups that maybe did a huge amount of work but there's very little um, ephemeral evidence of that in terms of photographs or video footage. Yeah. So that's a, a hard part, I suppose, you know, because we would have loved to represent some, some of the amazing things that happened around the country, but there was just nothing there to show it. Once you're, once you're in on marriage equality, it's joyous and it's joyous across the board, but with abortion rights, it's, it's just complicated. It's not this clean oh, this person has an amazing life, they're, they're, they're in love and they're happy. It's more like mitigating sadness and tragedy for people in a lot of ways and, and dealing with hardship, which isn't as, as clean as self, if that makes sense, as, as clean as stories. It's a difficult topic for a lot of people. And so it wasn't the same kind of story as, as marriage equality, which, you know, was about love and um equality and you know it was a very positive story um, and people wanted to be part of it and i i you know found that very much when we went to make when women won some people didn't want to tell their story again it was very emotional and very difficult for women to tell their story uh, women telling the stories was a huge part of the campaign and had been a very important thing um even before together for yes started you know people like tara flynn or Roshan Ingle were very brave and came out quite early and told their stories. And there was a lot of women who told very, very painful and difficult stories to do with termination for medical reasons. And, you know, having to go over it again for a documentary is, um, is in a way kind of re-traumatizing. And a lot of people felt very hurt and very, I use the word trauma because people would have used that word when they talked to me about it. You know, they didn't want to necessarily have to go through that again and I suppose our film was very careful and uh, you know uh, very carefully considered in terms of how we handled the personal stories that we didn't really go down the route of you know telling them again in detail the film itself is quite enjoyable to watch and you know it's uplifting which is a difficult thing to do because the, the topic is is so is so sad and difficult you know so you're you're trying to strike a balance there of, you know, people are celebrating at the end and it's celebratory and it's important. And, you know, you're trying to communicate why this is important. It isn't about the fact that, um, 
you know, people have difficult situations in their lives and they have to make that decision. It's more about having that choice and I suppose about women's empowerment and with a women's freedom. And women's place in the country as well. Yeah, women's place in Irish society, absolutely. And up to this point, everything that happened historically and up till very, very, very recent memory. And I would say as well, like it's not totally in the clear because the cervical check issue that has come up, like that scandal has kind of proven we're not in the clear, like things aren't clean sailing. Yeah, and that actually happened, that happened during the campaign and, you know, the topics became enmeshed in that way, you know, um, and Vicky Phelan then came out, you know, because you had a, a health minister who was backing the Together yeah. VS campaign, but then obviously, you know, some faith was lost in him because of that scandal and it could have gone either way for them. It could have really been you know a negative but actually I think because I think you know thankful to Vicky Phelan for coming forward and backing the campaign that really helped to swing yeah. it the other way for them so it became part of the issue you know because it was bound up in lots of different things that had happened you know the obviously the the story of the Magdalene laundries and everything that had happened with the Catholic Church. Yeah, all of those things would have fed into yeah. it, you know. So we briefly do go into the history of it. It's a huge chapter, you know. So many things happened over those 35 years. And we couldn't go into it all in detail in, in the film. But we alluded to it. And But the archive is incredible. Like, And for Jews to RT, that they do, do have a, a, a wonderful archive in there. And I spent a, a week in there looking at... There's such amazing footage about, uh, you know, women's lives in particular. And when you watch it now, like with all the knowledge that we have, some of it's so shocking in a way. And <laughs> um, the way that, you know, it's always the way when you look back at footage, the way that people speak and the kind of things that people say that were acceptable at the time. It's so shocking when you look back at it with today's lens, you know. But yeah, there was a wonderful archive there and we couldn't include it all. And when you look back actually in particular, at the report on Anne Lovett and what happened at the time. It's really quite extraordinary broadcasting and really brave. And the kind of things that they said at the time, you know, would surprise you actually that, yeah. it, that it was, because we, we, when we think back about that time, we think that there weren't voices there that were dissenting or, you know, that there weren't people there standing up and speaking their mind, but there were actually, you know, so there was, there's a really beautiful report in Orti on the Anne Lovett story that's really very powerful, which we couldn't include because it's a very long piece, but, you know, it does show you that there was a lot of work done over the years, you know, yeah. And obviously, uh, Kitty Holland's mother was one of the very first people to come out and tell her story at a time when it was incredibly difficult. And she would have experienced a terrible backlash for doing that. So there were people who did stand up and there were people who, who campaigned for a very long time. And of course, Alva Smith was one of those people who was there from the very, very early days. Yeah. Um, so it was wonderful to get to film with her and to tell some of her story. And the fact that she had that memory of the the historical piece was really helpful because, you know, the younger generation that we interviewed had brilliant stories to tell about the now and about what was happening in social media and what happened around the Savita story. But really to have those voices like Sinead Kennedy and Alva Smith to talk about the past and to bring us back there, it set the scene and I think gave, a, you know, a great context to everything. 
And it is, and it's all out of that context. And I remember when the verdict came through, I didn't believe it. Do you know when the exit poll? And I was like, no. And it was really funny. It took like yeah. three people and they were like, yeah, but it wasn't like 53%. It was like 60 It was something. such a huge, yeah, it was such a huge, um, a huge percentage that you, you know, really, you knew that it was across the line. But at the same time, it's hard to believe because I do remember that the night before thinking, you know, this isn't going to happen. And I think everyone felt very nervous about it because it's so hard to know how these things are going to go. And you just wonder, has Ireland changed that much? And of course, I suppose we saw what happened in marriage quality. So there was a a sense that it could go the same way. But at the same time, it's such a different topic. It's, it's a very difficult topic for some people. So you, you just didn't know. And in the documentary, that was quite, quite a difficult thing to represent. You know, the fact that we had lots of archival footage from RTE and from the Irish Times and News Talk and different sources to look through and see, OK, you know, we can build a story here about the, the day of the results. But of course, the results came in the night before. So that was um, a bit of a challenge in trying to tell that part of the story and we talked about you know will we just not go into the exit polls too much and just make it about the day but but actually no I mean we had to stick with that moment that's when they all found out they were all just watching the Late Late Show and the exit polls came in during the Late Late Show so we got that footage and we interviewed everyone about it and then we just tried to capture that that atmosphere and so we went out and filmed the street on Mount Street where they had their offices at night and just tried to build the tension. I know they had a pile of yes speeches and a pile of no speeches. You know, everyone was, you know, out campaigning until the very last minute. So we had some kind of dusky shots of um, Dublin and, you know, trying to to bring people back there to that moment. And they all told that, that story so well. Yeah. And they were so, so relieved uh, when the, the yes exit poll came in yeah so you you kind of over the film you get to know them all a little bit you know and you get a sense of why it matters to each of them so when you see their reaction to the yes coming in it's very satisfying yeah, yeah it's great <laughs> it is no it is it's lovely to relive those moments again just to kind of sit down and, and to take a moment to kind of breathe it in and be like no matter how shitty things go in that moment no matter what's happening across the world like these were these two moments in history that you know people really turned up and went and our country really showed up yeah it does make you very proud yeah I think before the two referendums especially I just really had kind of lost all faith you go like this is the way that people treat women up until so recently and 1996 was the last Magdalene laundries that were closed and, and this is what's still here in our society it's a very difficult history and I suppose you can see what it meant to people when you you look back at footage and interviews with women, just ordinary women who had come down to Dublin Castle that day and, you know, were in tears um, being interviewed by Orti or being interviewed by one of the international broadcasters that, that showed up on the day. They didn't say why and they didn't tell their stories, but you knew that this was very personal to them or to their mother or to a, a sister or a friend. And that, you know, so many people had an experience and that's why we, we kind of lingered on some faces in the crowd and you just kind of wonder, you know, why is that person there? And, you know, why does it matter to them and why is it important to them? And, you know, you don't need to know because as women, we all we all know and we've all known for so long. 
um, how important this was and why it's important. And I think that was the thing when, when they went around knocking on doors, obviously people had questions and they had concerns and they had doubts in their mind and their minds needed to be put at ease about it because they had those areas that they were worried about, whether they were worried about the 12 weeks or whatever it was that they wanted to ask questions about. But ultimately, people knew people that had been through this, you know. So even in small towns in Ireland, like I think people can underestimate rural Ireland and think, you know, rural Ireland is backwards. And that isn't the case at all. And and you can see that when you look at the tallies for the different counties, you know, people knew people who had been through this and they were wise to what was going on. And they, they knew and understood the context of this, that it wasn't just about abortion, that it was about women's liberation. And it was about how we treat women in Irish society and what had gone on over the years and, you know, the church control over women's bodies. So I think there was just a huge relief and people just felt so uh, like this had finally happened, you know, the day had finally come. And I think another thing that you guys uh, tackle very well in this is men showing up for it and going, you know, like maybe initially going, it's not really my area and then the stories coming out and then that support yeah it's quite a funny moment in the documentary actually because Linda Kavanagh is totally hilarious and um she's a great she does a great interview and and um she says a line in it where she says men like to tell you their opinion about everything else (laughs) but why not this um so I think the campaign became aware that you know men were opting out and you know, it was very important because the documentary was trying to capture the campaign for Together for Yes as a record of what had happened. It was very important that we had certain topics that we went through and um, and covered. And the opt-out man was one of those. And there was some wonderful footage because some great campaign videos had been made around that topic. Um, and lots of men had come out and lent their voice to it. And there was various hashtag campaigns and things like that. So yeah, it was it obviously was hugely important that men went out and voted, and so that was that was a, a nice opportunity to for a bit of humour as well. Like humour <laughs> is so important in these kind of topics, you know. Like you're tackling something that's uh, so complex and so emotional, but then you have to have a little bit of light in there too. So Linda was great for that, and there was a, a fair few funny little moments in it. Like, you know, when you're looking back at archive footage, like some of the, the footage maybe wouldn't have been amazing quality sometimes, but it, it might be very funny because there's a false start and somebody's recording and they didn't realize they're recording and things like that. Or maybe somebody was filming something on their phone, you know, that wasn't necessarily in, intended to be held up there, you know, but it's a, it captures the the humor and the camaraderie and the the energy of the time so we really like mined the hard drive for those moments they they, the campaign did have lots of volunteers that went and filmed things which was brilliant and we would have looked through that but you're not looking through it for the perfect wonderful you know footage that's really well shot or anything you're actually looking for those little human moments that reveal something about the personalities and you know, how, like, how did they go through those days in there, you know, stuck in, in HQ for months on end and the stress of it all, you know? I think that that particular referendum as well, because it was so divisive and someone that you think would be on your side isn't, and it's very surprising. And yeah. You're questioning where did those beliefs come from? I know. And like, I would, I would have friends who voted no. 
and um, I have, you know, people in my life, you know, and relatives who would have voted no. Yeah. So, you know, I think it's, it's important always to be respectful of the fact that people have different opinions and, and, and be interested in why they have those opinions and be willing to listen to people. It's very important that people are, I suppose, given an opportunity to voice those concerns and ask those questions and to voice those opinions, you know, and I, yeah, I suppose that's maybe a, a, a thing about this documentary that it is, it isn't balanced in that way. I mean, if I was directing this for RT, we probably would have had to take a very different approach. And, you know, it's the same with the, the story of yes, there was, you know, very little uh, time given to the no side on marriage quality. I was re-watching it there the other day and, you know, I still get quite annoyed at some of the <laughs> things that are said in the, the, the debates. You know, when you show the debate footage in these documentaries, you can find yourself getting quite riled up again <laughs> at some of the things that are said and, and, and be incredulous that somebody could say such a thing and believe such a thing um, and, and how what a short time ago that that was and and was, you know, not it wasn't acceptable but acceptable enough to broadcast it um, it just seems so surprising but at the end of the day you know that's part of the process and part of democracy and um giving uh, i suppose a vo voice to both sides and then people voting and making their decision but um this documentary won't be broadcast on rte which is kind of interesting i think you know i mean the story of yes is essentially the same documentary it's very very similar and was commissioned by RTE but when women won um isn't going to be broadcast because RTE felt that the the topic is still very divisive too divisive for public funding and you know it is funded by together for yes so you know in that way you know the origin of it is maybe problematic for RTE um, but it is interesting too, though, that there hasn't been a documentary broadcast about it. And it's a huge historical moment. You know, it's a, a really big moment in our social history. And, you know, and, the anniversary is coming up now. It was now. such a landslide. It was yeah. such a landslide. So it was it's a huge majority, a you know. Like it wasn't, it wasn't even, even close. Like it was just absolutely the majority of people were like, this is what we're voting in now. Yeah. Which is funny that it's still not celebrated in that same way. Yeah. But I suppose again, it is just a divisive topic, and and it maybe as well, it's 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 tough for people to hear. Yeah, I'm not. You know, I haven't discussed it in depth, I suppose. But you know, as you say, like it's a 67% landslide vote, and therefore, you know, I think it should be broadcast. I think that there should be a yeah. record of it you know put out there um you know to acknowledge what happened and how it happened uh, from the campaign uh, point of view there'd be nothing stopping the no side making a similar documentary um, and they'd have a lot of money to do it <laughs> <laughs> yeah they probably would have the funding so. to do it but but you know it, it it's important i suppose that these stories are told so i'm glad that together yes did put some money aside to make a record of it you know because Obviously, they've written a book as well, and that's there now, I suppose, to capture, you know, the campaign story. Obviously, there are so many other stories and there are, you know, other groups that did huge things. I saw Amnesty International made a, a brilliant uh, short documentary that went up on YouTube as well last year. 
And it's great to have a record of, of the work that was done. And it is useful for other countries who are looking at Ireland and wondering, well, how did they achieve it? And how might we learn from that, you know? And what would be maybe some techniques that you would use style-wise in, in creating the narrative around those events? Because we didn't have footage for lots of the, you know, emotional moments in the story, we kind of recreated, I suppose, the moment in a way. We did what we did on uh, the story of Yes, a very similar thing that Hugh, Hugh Rogers would have done on, on the story of Yes. And we did it again on When Women Won, where it was like an echo, I suppose, of the moment. And it was very funny because it was quite hard to convince the Together for Yes team to do this because they were very... I suppose authentic and pure to you know um, the truth and they felt a bit like oh this is really strange like it's a year later like I wasn't in this room I wasn't wearing these clothes or you know and um, it took a bit of convincing because I think cinema I didn't realize that yeah. when I was watching it so <laughs> well, that's how good it was and th- lots of people have said that to me you know so <laughs> like the thing is we weren't there we we didn't film any of those things you know we weren't following the campaign we didn't have cameras rolling on the day of the results or anything like that and those moments like that moment in the HQ when they all saw the the debate for example um, on Claire Byrne sure there's never any cameras there for that kind of moment you know so you know the footage of the and, debate and you'd want to think not because it's probably you in your pajamas eating popcorn and throwing it at television yeah like so you don't television. want that on television <laughs> no. so like you know you kind of I suppose try to find in documentary a way of like naturally representing that so it doesn't feel like a really hammy kind of uh, dramatic uh, recreation but feels like a very natural reflection on that moment. So we try and just get people to to go back and just look at it again, but in a more kind of heightened setting. So like, you know, with Sarah Monaghan, we would have put her into a, a boardroom in a Georgian building and had her watch the debate. So it, it just worked really well because, you know, she's talking about it very authentically in her interview, but you've nothing to kind of, you know, represent that moment so and we would have done it in the story of yes as well where Michael Barron talked about driving around Dublin with like rainbow flags out this van while he was campaigning and a year later we made poor Michael get into <laughs> Hugh, Hugh put him into the back of the van with a few I didn't um, realize that was a recreation yeah, either. That, so, makes it, that makes it quite funny because it's a brilliant van yeah and it's funny like you know <laughs> I, I suppose in a way maybe we shouldn't reveal that these moments aren't real because when you're watching it you just <laughs> it's good to know this is for filmmakers yeah anyway, this is filmmaking so, yeah. you know and <laughs> and it, it does make a difference and it is the difference between something being a bit more cinematic or emotional and something being a bit of a flat uh, narrative where it's just interview archive interview archive and there's nothing really that lifts it I suppose to another level and and so we love to do that because it's fun they're fun to shoot when you can get the participants to get on board with it because uh, not everyone wants to do it and really like you know trying to get poor Alva Smith to like put on her pink leather jacket again and pretend she's going out to vote <laughs> you know they can feel a bit silly and then people start to doubt you a little bit and think oh God, this is going to be really awkward. And um, so it can make people feel a bit nervous for sure, but they've got to trust you. And I I suppose that, you know, we very much would just remind them, look, if you're not happy with it, we'll, we'll, we'll take it out. But I think you will be happy with it when you see it. And we've done it before and it works really well. And just making people um, relax into it because they're not actors, they're not performers. So you're not asking somebody to, to act or pretend something's real, but you're just asking them to go back there. So we would have got Linda 
Linda Kavanagh and Sarah Clarkin to sit and read the comments on the fundraising campaign page again, which is the moment she spoke about. And they're really reading them. Yeah, so that wasn't real. Uh, She's actually crying. I'm sorry. (laughs) Well, it is. I suppose what's real, like, you know, it is real in that they are being (laughs) genuine. I'm sorry. Uh, (laughs) I love documentaries that do uh, play with the boundaries of reality. So like The Arbor, um or um the imposter is another one that did it but there's lots of documentaries that you know recreate things but in a a a way that's still very real and so you know it is real they are the people who genuinely were there in that moment and they are reading genuine comments that were on the page and they are reacting to them in the moment in a way that is true yeah but it just isn't the the very same moment that they were speaking about in the interview okay so I suppose you know when you get swept up in the story you don't notice it and you just you're you're and that's the best way you shouldn't be analyzing it and, and even though I'm a filmmaker I watch 99% of television that way and films that way so I'm not analyzing them but when I'm watching them for work I watch them with a very different eye uh, so but tell me a little bit about where can people see when women won so when women won um, had its premiere at the Virgin Dublin International Film Festival we had a lovely screening there with big audience and very celebratory and it was then to be showing in um, the Boston Irish International Film Festival and it had won an award there in advance, a special jury prize award and then of course COVID-19 hit and so everything has been placed on pause at the moment. So we, we are planning other screenings but we haven't any firm I suppose news on where it's going to show next. So we will of course. watch this space, I suppose, you know, it's watch very hard to space. plan. Yeah, it's very hard to organise screenings. Do you have a Facebook page that maybe people can track it if they're interested in following the progress or a website? Yeah, so our website is invisiblethreadfilms.com and you can get news there. And we also have a Facebook page, Invisible Thread Films, and we are on Twitter as well. So, yeah, we, we'll post kind of, you know, updates as soon as we have them. But for a lot of filmmakers, you know, it's it's about reimagining how can we do yeah. screenings? You know, can we do screenings online? Um, some festivals have gone online. So ultimately, this film will be online. That was always the intention that it would be shared online and that people could view it. Um, so it wasn't made as like a commercial enterprise and, and and you know it was very much made to um tell the story and to get it out to people so um so hopefully we'll be able to share it soon of course so what we will do is make sure that there's links to the website and um, any social media pages in the description of this podcast and now on to something that was also very joyous and fun the creative kids documentary that you guys were putting together for it was rt was it Yes, yeah, so Creative Kids is a new documentary that we filmed myself and producer Aoife Kavanagh with Frontline Films. And it's funded by Creative Ireland and RTE. Um, and it's going to be broadcasting on May 3rd, on Sunday, May 3rd at 6.30 p.m. 
and the documentary it is very joyous and very uplifting and i think it's a it's a wonderful watch for people who are stuck at home at the moment um, it's about the creative schools project which was rolled out um, across a number of schools um, over the past year where artists visiting artists would come to schools and do workshops in the arts everything from singing dancing bakery you know t-shirt printing uh, music dance they did did so many projects across the country and we follow a number of those we are in um, the presentation school in Tralee County Kerry where they're putting on a show in Sheem Satira and follow a number of children down there who are just so engaging and so adorable. Um, and the theme of their show is about breaking down boundaries. Uh, so we have two children who we really focus on there, Kira and Mahek. And Mahek is a Muslim and Kira is from Tralee and they have a lovely friendship and they sing and rehearse together and it's just really sweet. They um, are, they're back and they're forth. They're very funny. Really they're very, very funny. Yeah. Um, so little characters. They're such little characters, <laughs> yeah. So we're also in um, a secondary school, the Educate Together in Stepaside, which is a new step, a new school. Um, so they only have first to third year. And like, I really like drank the Kool-Aid there. I just wanted to go back to, I wanted to go back to school. I just really enjoyed my time there. They would a really wonderful relationship with the, the students, the teachers. Um, and the students are all, you know, it's the Educate Together ethos are on first, first name basis. But I think because it's a new school as well, there's a real kind of, uh, I suppose, special energy around the place. And um, they, it really feels like they're building the school from the ground up. And the, the, there's a real partnership between the young people and they really listen to them. So they put on a festival. And so it's following that process. But they also have a visiting poet come in, John W. Sexton, who's just such a character. He's like a rock and roll, uh, punk rock poet who comes in and um, really engages the young people, especially those young people who are at the back of the class and not really listening. You know, one of the kids we interview says he absolutely hates school. But you yeah. see that he gets really into the class. And we, we are in a desh school in the inner city in Dublin, um, in Dublin 8, where I live, in Warrenmount, um, where they do a, a bakery workshop with a local businesswoman who runs the Dublin Cookie Company. So there's so many different types of projects that they, they do. We're on the islands as well. We're on Aaron Moore. Uh, where some artists go out to work with the young people there and also with a, a wonderful uh, choreographer and dance teacher in Castle Bar in County Mayo. So there's real variety of the experiences, but ultimately the children's voices and their stories and experiences, they're just fantastic. So they really uh, li light up things at the moment for people who are at home and, and looking for something fun to watch. Oh, it, it's so lovely. There's two kids. And again, I think at the moment when... There's such a focus on, you know, getting your academia stuff done where not everyone's exactly. brains yeah. work like that. You exactly. know, not everyone's brains yeah. are designed to sit down and, and process maths all day or to you know, regurgitate random facts. Totally. And, and engagement with the arts really does. It's been shown and proven to help people with their academia. So while some parents and some teachers might feel this is just this, you know, putting on a show or all these dance classes or all this music or whatever is a distraction from the curriculum. 
actually it has been shown that taking part in the arts helps improve English, maths, all those other academic subjects. And it's been proven to help with school retainment as well. Like it makes children want to be in school, to want to show up and to participate. So there's loads of benefits. And as you say, like not everyone's academic school shouldn't all be stressful and about exams you know it's about learning to work in a team and uh, to express yourself to be able to to speak in public um, and to have confidence and all that developing different skills and and again it's only one type of intelligence that is rewarded when there's just there's there's such beautiful moments there's one and it's this girl is baking cookies and she's so proud and she's done something really fun and creative it's very genuine Denise I remember that moment and she she said um this has been the best experience of my life and she really did mean that you know because I know the principal said it to us afterwards because she'd done an interview with us as well and she just loved the whole day and the whole experience and like how how amazing is that how wonderful is that you know that her taking part in that workshop that day was something that like she is going to always remember and that's just really special. And I think there's there's lots of there's lots of lovely little moments like that in it where, you know, you can see that the children have really learned something that they've never learned before and they're experiencing something really special and really powerful. And I think for the teaching staff as well, like you can see, and we really included those lovely shots where you could see that the teacher was enjoying it just as much as the kids and the big smiles on their faces, you know. Yes. So you know, it's just so uplifting and um, I loved working on it. Um, so was it the same team who did When Women Won and that filmed the story of Yes? Uh, so it's funny, I suppose it's, it's the same team, but in different roles um, on the story of Yes, Hugh Rogers, who is also my brother, directed and I produced and Zlata Filipovich produced. And then when it came to When Women Won, I directed it and Hugh was the producer and composed all the music. And again, Zlata Filipovich was the producer again so we kind of we take turns (laughs) it was co-directed it's important actually to to mention the team because documentaries of course I think more so than anything are such um collaborative such collaborative enterprises you know so uh, Gary Keane was the co-director on it so he directed some of those scenes in Mayo and and in um on Aaron Moore and it was edited by a wonderful editor, Isild Howlett, who um, helped bring together so much footage and, and weave that narrative between five different schools, which is a huge amount of footage. And, um, and Eve Cavanagh is just a brilliant producer. So, you know, we had, we had a lot of fun making it. Eleanor Bowman did a lot of the filming and Matt Coran, Michael O'Donovan. So the three of them are just superb cinematographers. But there's always such a big team in documentary and working together to, to tell the story, you know. And Creative Kids is such a nice watch. One of the kids, um, when he's chatting with that rock star poet guy, <laughs> he was saying, and he's like, I didn't, like, and it's really funny. And it, it's also kind of very sad in a way where he was like, I didn't, I, you know, I don't, re- I didn't really realize this was sort of an option or that this type of thing was out there. Yeah. You know, where, where, where like those kind of creative outlets where, you know, and I think maybe as a society, especially now we're on the like we lost definitely after 2008 when austerity took hold like the creative arts 
weren't given maybe the focus that it should. And I hope now that we're on the precipice of something else, maybe where things are going to regress a little financially, that the healing power and the importance of the nurturing element of things that are creative for people's spirits and souls and moods will be focused on. Yeah, it's very worrying in terms of, yeah, it's very, very worrying for the arts what's happening, you know, and, and of course the arts take a huge hit when there's a recession, you know, because they aren't seen as essential. And anyway, in the best of times when we have a thriving economy, um, artists are expected to live on such incredibly low incomes you know like I I remember reading at some point like you know how much dancers make in a year and like it was well below minimum wage you know um so it's and it's very it is very worrying you know so like it, it, it's so important to fund the arts and when you see these artists you know at work it's a brilliant project Creative Ireland you know have have done there in the creative schools and I hope it continues because getting to expose children to different ways of thinking and you know getting them to work with their hands and be involved in a project like that you you know I think it's a great celebration yeah it's a great celebration of what they can do it's also a way of paying artists to do what they do but maybe in a different kind of context so you know all of us have to find ways to subsidize what we do with other work to help make a living wage you know so that you are surviving and able to you know do ordinary things like you know get a mortgage yeah. <laughs> um so uh, you know it's a, it's a brilliant project so hopefully that was a pilot project as far as i understand and so hopefully it will continue you know no matter what happens now with our economy brilliant so um may the third on rte keep an eye out for that and i presume it'll be on the player afterwards as well it will it will yeah so definitely it's 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 a really enjoyable one thanks Gemma. thank you so much